We're talking about relationship goals. So let me just ask you guys this question. How many of you guys here this morning are married? Who's married? Great. Who's not married? Okay, everyone, take a, just look around. No, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Look around real quick. See if there's anybody you want to go to lunch with later. <laughs> just playing. So when you look up the, when you look up the, 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 um, the hashtag relationship goals, um, it's actually used over 11 million times on the internet. Okay. Hashtag meaning the pound sign for all, for us Gutenbergs. Okay. It's the pound sign. All right. But the hashtag is, is when you type in hashtag relationship goals on a browser anywhere, it's actually been used over 11 times. But before you can have really a relationship, you have to have some of those awesome pickup lines for those relationships. Now, how many of you guys, let me just ask the guys real quick. How many of you guys use these on your, on your wives before you're married? You use the pickup line? Don't, good. Thank you for being honest, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, all the guys did. You just don't remember that you did, but you did at some point. Single people? Well, here's, here's, here's a few that I actually really like. Um, and I wish I would have thought about these when I was uh, pursuing Kristen in, in marriage. Um, one of them is, are you a parking ticket? Because you got fine written all over you. <laughs> well, here I am. What's your other two wishes? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Do you believe in love at first sight? Or should I walk by again? <laughs> you know, if you're real, if you're real smart, um, the girl would normally respond with something like this if you're real quick. Because um, this was a funny one. This one's been used forever. Um, did you fall from heaven? And if the, if the girl is quick, she would say, wait, are you calling me Satan? <laughs> now, not all relationships are good ones. No one ever aspires when they get married that they, they, they say to themselves, I can't wait to have a bad relationship right? No one ever aspires. I can't wait to have a bad marriage. I can't wait to, I can't wait to get into my marriage and have fights and have arguments all the time, not be happy. No one ever sets out to, to do that. But unfortunately, a lot of the times that's what end, ends up happening is, is if not worked on, if not checked, um, our relationships and our marriage can lead down a pathway of destruction, distraction, and seduction. And these are the things that we're going to talk about here today. But before we do that, there's four goals that we've been focusing on the last few weeks. And so let's, let's rehash these. Let's go through these, okay? Um, it's kind of hard to see. Usually I have them across the platform here. Uh, but the first one, does anybody remember what the first one was? Christ-centered. The second one was? Mission driven. Great. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And I love it. So everyone at home, make sure that you're saying these with me. The third one is devil kicking. Okay. This is what we're going to talk about today. And the last one is covenant keeping. You guys are awesome. So let's unpack devil kicking, what it means. We have to understand something real quick. And let's all of us understand this and get this. Let's start from this point that you are hated by the enemy. You are hated by the enemy. Now, when I say the enemy, I'm not talking about your spouse. You are hated by Satan himself, the devil. I don't like to magnify the devil. I don't like to 
make him bigger than what he really is. But it's really important that as believers that we understand and that we really do get this, that there is an enemy seeking whom he may, whom he may devour. He's just looking for somebody who he can just wrap around, he can kill because Satan hates everything that matters to God. Hates everything that matters to God. He hates everything that matters to you. Ephesians chapter six, verses 11 through 12 says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes. Someone say it with me, against the schemes. Against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have to come to an agreement and an understanding. Not only does the devil hate everything that matters to God and matters to you, but the enemy is scheming against you. He's setting up plans. He's being extremely intentional about putting pitfalls in the way of your life so that way you may stumble and that way you can fall. He doesn't like anything good happening in your life. So when your marriage is doing good, the devil is actually scheming against your marriage to bring distraction and to bring some sort of pitfalls in your marriage. He's learning everything that makes you tick, everything that makes the trigger pull in your life and in your heart. So we know that whatever God blesses, Satan curses, and whatever God loves, he hates. Does everybody understand that by now? I wanna make sure I set up a good foundation for that because we're gonna learn what it means to be devil-kicking people in our marriages. Who wants to be a devil-kicking person in your marriage? See, I want you to imagine with me real quick if there's a person that you knew that went to prison because of you and they get out of prison. I want you to picture what they look like. Then all of a sudden on your phone, you get a text message. And that text message says, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after your kids. I'm coming after your, your household. I'm coming to rob you. I'm coming to kill you. I'm coming to destroy you. One of those days you get that text message. What would be your feeling? What would be your emotion? You know, obviously you'd be like, oh, oh man. So our, res our response to a text message like that is we as normal people, what would we do? Well, we would bring as much safety and precaution as we can to our homes, wouldn't we? Most of us would go and buy some iron bars and put them up on our windows. Okay, we would, we would put, we would get some motion lights, right? Put them all the way around our house, which by the way, I hate motion lights because my neighbor has one in the backyard and that thing looks like the sun when it goes off. I can literally tan in my neighbor's motion light in my living room. Goes right through our curtains. It's crazy. And then my dog, who feels the need to bark at everything at three o'clock in the morning, gets up in the morning, jumps up on the couch and barks at nothing but the motion light at three o'clock in the morning. Wakes us up and then, like a dog, he wants to start playing. So he goes and he grabs his toys and he picks them out of the bucket. You, you guys know, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about, right? It just happens. It's crazy. But you would get the brightest motion lights, the most sensitive security system around your house, and you get to pick the weapon of your choice. Maybe some of you have a bat, you know? Maybe some of you 
have a, a gun, whatever the choices of your weapon, but you would figure out a way how to protect yourself, how to protect yourself. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be of sober spirit, be, a, be on alert, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, use that same text message on your phone. The Bible is the text message on your phone. And the Bible is saying to you very clearly today, there is someone coming after you. There is something, there is someone prowling around your neighborhood. There is someone who just is getting ready to kill, steal, and destroy everything that matters to God and that matters to you. I don't know about you, but my marriage matters to me. And the devil is going around like a lion amongst your neighborhood right now, seeking whom he may devour. Now, what have we done to set up the protections around our homes so he cannot enter? The devil never announces his attack. He doesn't look at us and go, hey, boy, you guys are doing really great. God's blessing you. God's doing some really great stuff for you. And he doesn't stand up on the mountaintop and go, warning, warning, people of God, I'm coming after you. He doesn't do that. What he does is he lies because he's the father of lies. He comes in sneaky ways, the two of the greatest sneaky ways that the enemy comes in through the windows of our home, through the unprotected places in our personal lives is through distraction and seductions. Distractions, you can just look back in the history of the word of God, what that looks like. Eve got distracted with the fruit. Anybody tracking with me? Eve got distracted with the fruit. So, uh, um, uh, King Solomon got distracted by his own personal need for, to please people. Judas got distracted by his love for money, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The enemy comes with distractions in your life. There's a powerful verse in Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse 15, that says this. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes. Someone say little foxes. The little foxes that are ruining the vineyards. You see, foxes, what they do is they eat blossoms. Eat the blossoms either off the ground, on the tree, whatever the case, whenever it's blossoming, they like to go and eat those kinds of things. And when the blossoms don't fall on the ground, it can actually ruin the harvest for that certain farmer or for those certain people that are trying to grow things. And the Bible is so true. He says, if you don't check the little foxes, they will ruin your life. They will ruin your life. And this is how slick the devil is. Most of the time, he doesn't come distracting us with the big things, with the big things in our lives. But he comes with the little, teeny, tiny things to bring distractions to our lives to get us off course with our relationship with God and in our marriages. Some of those little foxes, one of them could be comparison in your marriage. Could be comparison. My husband isn't like the person on Hallmark. He's so romantic. He brought chocolate to her in the store. 
I'm giving you what every Hallmark movie is all about, okay? And then they got in a fight, and then they made up, and then they got married. I wish my husband would do that. Now that's facetiously joking, right? But a little bit more real in our lives, it's very easy for the married couple to get distracted by comparing our marriages and our lives with other people. It happens all the time. Did you see so-and-so? Did you see what they did? Did you see what they did? And before you know it, the more comparison you start doing, the more disappointed you become with the one you're with. And that disappointment then begins to lead into distracting. And that distraction begins to lead into a little another D word called divorce. It begins to just to weed itself into there. It begins to weave it into there. And before you know it, you're comparing yourself in your life, in your marriage with everybody else around you. When God simply says this, you want green grass on your side, then feed the grass that you're on. You guys have heard that before, right? The grass is greener on the other side. I'd like to encourage you, maybe suggest something to you today, that the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it the most. Come on, somebody. The grass is greener where you water it the most. You want a good marriage? Then water your own grass. Water your marriage. He also comes distracting with little things, the nitpicky things, the meaningless things in life. You get in little arguments like this. I don't like the way you drive. I, I know no one here has ever said that before to your spouse. I don't like the way you chew. I don't like the way you fill in the blank. All the little nitpicky things, and I know those are apparent in marriages, but left unchecked, those little foxes can come and ruin a marriage if they're left unchecked. I don't like the way you're breathing in your sleep. I'm sorry, Kristen, I snore. That's what I do. <laughs> right? I'm not saying she says this to me, but if she ever does, I'm just gonna threaten to stop breathing. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll show you, I'll just stop breathing. See how you like it. The little nitpicky things, if left unchecked, the little foxes that can come can lead us to distract us away from a godly, honoring marriage in our lives. The little things like fighting over money. One of you is controlling over it. The other one of you is critical. Maybe one of you is very passive in the way money comes. No, sweetheart, money doesn't grow on trees. Yes, it does. I'll go spend. I'm going to control you. And before you know it, that's the only thing your marriage makes up of is fighting over the way you handle money. I'm not saying it's not important, but what I'm saying is this, is the little foxes can come in to distract you away from a God-honoring marriage. You see, because the enemy knows how to trigger your anger, your insecurities, and your fears. And his number one tactic in a marriage, because it's so easy to do, is to bring distractions in your marriage to get you off the purpose of God, the devil-kicking, mission-driven, this is who we are as a married couple, to get you distracted from all of those things, to get you focused on the things that don't matter very much in your marriage. The devil also uses not just distractions, but he uses seductions. Is Kaylin here? Kaylin? Thanks, Kaylin. If you can come and play. 
The devil also uses seductions. If you have little kids here, you might want to cover their ears because I'm going to say some things that, that may not be rated G, PG, depending on what channel you're watching. <laughs> the devil distracts us with seductions and sexual temptations in our marriages. Do you realize that 60% of the people that get divorced in America today cite pornography as the reason why they're getting divorced? 60%, 60%, that's over half of divorces that happen in today's world happen because of an addiction to pornography. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter five, verse three, but sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among saints. That's reading out of the New American Standard Version. The New Living Translation puts it like this, but among you, there must not even be even a hint. Someone say hint. Hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Not even a hint. So let's play a little game here. I wanna ask you a couple of questions here and by your response, I wanna see what you think a hint is. How many of you guys think that lying to your spouse about something that you saw on your phone and they caught you, but you're lying to your spouse of, of image or a video that you saw on your phone and you lie to them hoping that they wouldn't, it was just a one-time mistake or maybe, maybe you're hiding it away from them. How many of you guys would think that's sexual immorality? Yeah? Good, I'm glad you say yes to that because it is, okay? All right. Or maybe, maybe this morning there's a, there's, there, there's, you, you've got an issue and, 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 and you just seem like you can't get away and, you're, and, and somehow, some way, shape or form, you got caught up, you got trapped into binge watching pornography all the time on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, maybe on the TV, whatever the case is. Look, I have to talk about this stuff. I have to talk about it. Why do I have to talk about it? Because Christians are not exempt to the things of the world. The enemy is coming with the little foxes in your life and left unchecked, they can destroy us on the inside and ultimately destroy our marriages on the outside. How many guys would think that been watching pornography on your phone would be considered sexual immorality? Yeah. Well, but pastor, it's not full-blown full blown pornography, but it's uh, that Netflix original programming, you know, doesn't show everything but a little bit of some stuff. Now, here, listen, I'm here to tell you that we're all in this together and God has to be the one to check our hearts and lives on this stuff. It's not that bad, but I know that it arouses me. I know that it does something to me on the inside whenever I engage in watching this on Netflix or Prime Video, whatever the case is, pick your poison. Can you guys consider that sexual immoral? What about dressing provocatively, posting some immodest pictures on social media, or even having inappropriate conversations? Are those considered sexually immoral? I don't know about you, but the Bible says 
not even a hint of sexual immorality. There's a standard with the word of God and we have to remember it, it is the standard. Not even a hint. And church, if I can encourage you in anything this morning, it's this. Let's not sit around and tolerate sin any longer in our marriages. Let's not sit around and tolerate anything, not even a hint of sexual morality in our marriages. Why? Because we are devil-kicking believers in our marriage. We're not gonna settle for this stuff. Why? Because you're better than it. Why? Because Christ in you. You know what impurity is? Impurity is simply poison in your life. That's what impurity is. I grew up in New Mexico. And in New Mexico, we had rattlesnakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what a rattlesnake is, it's the kind of snake that makes a noise like this. The closer you get to it, okay? My dad, my, my, myself and my dad, we would uh, have to clean the ditches for uh, irrigation. I lived on a farm, on a pecan farm, or for those of you, a pecan farm. I lived on a pecan farm and we would have to uh, irrigate our land. The way we would irrigate our land, we'd have to open up the gates for water to come through the irrigation ditches and there the water then would flood our land and then we would water our land. Then my dad wised up and said, I'm building a well. Now our well does that, hallelujah, because it was hard work irrigating our, our land. I remember one time my dad <clears throat> was cleaning out the ditch I was maybe 12 years old, and he had a shovel, and he's just moving stuff like this. Came to a rock, lifted up the rock, and a rattlesnake, poisonous rattlesnake, jumped out and leapt at him. I've never seen my dad run as fast as ever. And you gotta understand my dad, my dad don't run, right? But he took off, Phew. I took off, because I saw my dad taking off. I was like, ah, the aliens are coming, huh? And I took off. Right? I didn't know what was going on. I said, Dad, what's happening? Jacob, don't go over there. There's a poisonous rattlesnake right over there. You know, and like any awesome son, I said, I got to check this out. Right? So I went over there. My dad got the shovel. We cornered it. And the way you kill a snake is you cut the head off. Right? Now, you know, for those of you snake lovers, I'm sorry about this illustration. But that day we killed the poisonous snake. Now I want you to picture with me impurity being poisonous like a snake. And if you knew that on this line, the poisonous snake was right there ready to strike and ready to bite and ready to kill you, what would you do? Where would you be at? Would you be right next to the line? Bye. See you later, Felicia. I'm over here, right? I don't want to get anywhere close to the line. I don't want to even get next to that snake. But here's what believers do. We get as close to the line of sexual impurity and immorality as we can without crossing it. Maybe some of us flirt 
with that sexual immorality. And then we say, but God's grace covers me. And we abuse the grace of God that's right here. When the grace of God is stronger away from the sexual impurity and immorality. It's something in our makeup to get as close as we can. And before you know it, listen to me, folks. Before you know it, the more you flirt with that line, the line will disappear and you'll get bit by the poison of sexual impurity and immorality in your lives. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 through 15 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil people. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Let me just explain to you what that means. It means this. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil people. Avoid it. Don't pass it by. Turn away from it. Pass on from it. Get away from the line. Get far away from it. So that way, you do not engage in any sexual immorality or impurity. In other words, distance yourself from anything that will make you stumble. This morning, if you're vulnerable to looking at stuff on your phone, you know you shouldn't. Maybe it's time for you to limit access to your phone. If you have a tough time keeping your mind right with the opposite sex at the gym that you work out in, maybe it's time for you to work out at home. If you look up things on social media, that's not good. That's an easy one. Delete the social media app. Get away from the line. Move far away from it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. If you want something different in your life, in your home, in your marriage, then do something different. Amen? Now, I know what you're thinking, then I'm finished. There might be two extremes of people here this morning who are listening to this message, and you're going, Pastor Jake, you're one step away from the crazy train, and I don't want to be a part of you. I don't need this. I don't need you telling me to delete my apps. I can handle this myself. I can do this myself. I don't need some preacher boy telling me what's good and what's right, what's wrong. I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. I'm my own man. Or maybe you're here this morning and you feel so trapped that you really don't see a way out. You feel so trapped. Maybe you are and have engaged in these things and you want a way out. But you can't. It just feels like you can't. Well, there's good news this morning. Someone say there's good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through 13, the apostle Paul puts it to us like this. He speaks to both of those. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he does not fall. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips and this isn't going to affect you, watch out so you do not fall. Because my friends, the Bible also says that pride comes before a fall. Every one of us, myself included, is susceptible to the things 
and the pitfalls of the enemy if left unchecked. Verse 13 speaks to the second one where you feel like you can't get out. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind. And God is faithful. Say that with me. And God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with temptation, he will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Listen to me. If you're here this morning and you're so trapped and you think you can't can't get out, I want you to know and I want you to be encouraged that God is faithful to provide a way out for you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's here for you. You know, there's things, whenever I come to my vulnerable moments, and I feel the enemy creeping into my life, and I let the window down, and I let the door open of my life. Haven't been watching out for those little foxes. There's things that I think about and I visualize the destruction that it may cause if I were to engage in those sexual things or maybe those, those thoughts, patterns in my life or whatever the case is. Number one, I think of, I'm gonna meet God face to face one of these days and I'm gonna have to give an account to him on my decisions. That scares me. That puts fear in me, but a godly kind of fear. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not afraid of God. I tell my kids this. I said, Sam, Caleb, there's nothing you can ever do to make you love you any less. But you have my heart protected. Protect my heart. And I just want to protect God's heart. There's going to be people that I'm going to hurt and disappoint. I think about this stuff. It's going to be you. If I were to engage in some way, shape, or form, in some kind of, was I getting ready to fall? Well, that would have been fun. Thank you. I think about the stuff that I would have to say, knowing that I would betray you and hurt you. That's the congregation, my friends, my other family that I have to complain to. Think about my children. They know that I'm not perfect, but man, they know that I have a heart after God and I'd have to sit them down and talk with them about, th- about things. It would be really difficult. Most of all, I would devastate my best friend, which is my wife. And I do these things to set up roadblocks in my life, knowing that your heart is my best interest that my wife's heart is more important than anything else. And I want my wife to know that she can trust me through anything. So I go, God, let me set up those little barricades. And so what I want you to do as we close here in the next minute is I want you to answer this honestly. If your spouse is sitting next to you, I want you to grab their hand If your spouse isn't sitting next to you, maybe this is a good time for you to meet someone new. (laughs) What are you doing for lunch? I tease. If you're single here today, I want you to answer this honestly to yourself as well. 
want you to ask yourself and ask your spouse this. You don't have to do it right now, but just maybe in your time. But you have to be honest with it because you're only strong as you are honest. You're only strong as you are honest. Answer honestly with your spouse in your marriage. Where are we, where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? Where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? If you're single, make it singular. Where am I most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? Remember, God blesses, Satan curses. What God loves, Satan attacks. And what I want to do here, I want us to pray for our marriages this morning. But instead of just asking God to do something, what we're going to do is we're going to declare the word of God over our marriages. If I can take this sword off right now, I would rip it off and I would hold both of them like this and say, we're devil kicking. Because I'm tired of the devil thinking he can have his way in our lives and in our marriages and, and Christians and believers walking around going, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Listen to me. You are more than an overcomer in Christ. That's you. That's not the person next to you. That's you. Ooh. Here's what we're going to do. If your spouse isn't here, I applaud you for coming. If your spouse is working, repeat this with him later or her later. But if you're here today, and if you're by yourself, repeat this after me as loud as you can. Say, no weapon. Come on, that ain't good enough. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he who's in us than he that is in this world. I am, we are overcomers by his blood and the word of our testimony. In Jesus' name, that's you, amen. This morning, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is and you want to know who he is, you want to know him personally, you've never said that prayer before. Father, forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. Maybe you have, and maybe your life's been really rocky lately, and you really need to recommit your life to Jesus. Today's the day. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, especially right here in this house. There's a picture behind me that, that there's a number that you can, you can text the word decided to. And if this morning, if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus, you want to decide this morning to follow this, why don't you just take a minute and take a second right now and just text that number, that 608 number, and text the word decided. And we want to get back with you this later this week and connect with you, pray with you, those kinds of things. But let's just close your eyes and let's just say, you know, if there's anybody here that says, you know what, Pastor Jake, pray for me, man. I want to rededicate my life or I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down if that's you. Thank you so much. Anybody else that says that's me? Pastor, pray for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Father, we just thank you. We honor you. We bless you. We want to connect with you as well, people, if you, if you raise your hand. Strengthen our marriages to be devil-kicking marriages. In Jesus' name. Amen.